Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How is your alternate Monday again? It's okay. We're we're recording on the last day of January, and I wanted to congratulate you, Dennis, for making it through. You, uh, I think it's January twenty second is the last of the longest days of the dark darkest days of the year. Dark days, dark so, days. Um, yep, you made it through. Yeah, I congratulations. I have seen some memes in the last day or so about how long January was for some people. They're like. January well, for me. That's January <laughs> has lasted for eight months or whatever. Um, yeah, it sure feels. Like I, I don't know that I felt that. I did sort of wake up not not today. It was yesterday afternoon. At some point, it was like, oh wow, it's uh, it's February day after tomorrow. I gotta yeah. do some. I mean, to be fair, you're, you're you've stuff. been mostly out west, and you get more more vitamin D from the sun out there. Maybe, maybe. I mean, it's it's been getting into the seventies, so you're not wrong. Like very low seventies, yeah, or or just brighter, more like, like high sixties. Um, I've I've. I'm assuming it's less gloomy. Like in you know how it is in in the east, you get just gray gray winters. I'm assuming the west is. That's true. I always assume the west coast is all sunshine and happiness, but I know it's not. Yeah, it's still. It depends on where there there was definitely a decent amount of overcast and rain um, while you all were here, and then for several days afterward. Yeah, and it's mostly been sunny, but cool. I mean, cool for here, which has been like you know down to 40s in the night at night and then 60s during the day which i'm sure is very warm compared to whatever indiana is experiencing right now um yeah <clears throat> but i'm i'm glad we're we're through most of it it always it always makes me i always look for some kind of positive thing with when when things are low and and bad i always try to think of well we, you know if we can just hold on for x y or z uh, and especially when it comes to winter, mm -hmm. I know February and March is still a cold time, but you know we're making headway through and being positive about that stuff. So we have um, um, had a pretty good week this last week. I think I, I I always like something that always cheers me up is going to the movie theater, and I always have to remember. It's silly that I should make myself remember that, but something about the popcorn sitting in a theater, especially when I go by myself. It's almost like I'm treating myself to a sit-down, dedicated, I, well, the answer is movie-watching time. But, like, it, it, if I'm watching stuff at home, I'm always interrupted by things or I'll even voluntarily pause it, mm -hmm. walk away, go use the restroom, you know. Open up IMDb. Come back at it later. Absolutely. <laughs> be on my phone. I'm definitely always on my phone. But when I'm in a the theater, I just get to, it's just a nice treat to, to make myself sit down in this nice dark area and enjoy it. And it makes me happy. It, it's just something for me makes me happy. I know it's, it, everything's different for different people, but it was nice to go and watch. I watched the beekeeper and I watched Godzilla minus one, uh, in the black and white, which I saw the color one before. Mm -hmm. Um, and I got on our discord and found out that you did the same thing. This week, not the same movies, but I, uh, you got to watch two two films. In one I day, did right? one one of the same movies. I have mentioned before, and I realized when I was sitting in the theater, like I I already know of two chains that do this. I really need to get online and figure out what the what other theater chains do similar deals. 
Um, I know the Marcus Theater Group does uh, member Tuesdays, which are half price or maybe even five bucks. Um, and and they're they're not, Marcus is a small chain. There's, I've only been to the one in Williamsburg, Virginia. Um, but the Regal Theater Group does half price uh, member day on Tuesdays, where tickets and popcorn are half price. Um, which means the theater ticket is about six dollars instead of thirteen dollars, which is not half. Oh, I know nice. that that's tr- so maybe this theater was a, still, a little still bit pretty good. different, and <clears throat> I didn't really think about this. Um, though there's a whole story that I'm not going to get into this week, um, where I was without a vehicle, but from the RV park here in Las Vegas. Um, there is a casino because it's Vegas. It's not one of the strip casinos. It's one of the, there seem to be a handful way out in the outskirts um, where like you drive half an hour from the strip and there's one casino hotel like in the middle of the sprawl. Um, Yeah. But it's like half a mile from here. Um, And I had been to the theater last time I was in the city back in November. And I think I saw the Marvels uh, when I did that. And I was like, okay, this is fine. Like it's close. I could almost walk there. Um, but I, you know, it's, I'm in the outskirts of a city and makes me a little nervous, whatever. Um, and sure. I had this whole like hassle last time where the parking lot close to the theater entrance was all blocked off. And so I had to park sort of at one of the main casino entrances and then find the theater through the maze of slot machines. Um, anyway, uh, I'm here in the city still and leaving either this weekend or next Tuesday. And so this, in either of those scenarios, this is my last Tuesday um, um, here. And it's quite literally the closest RV park to a theater that I have ever stayed in. Um, and oh, yeah, especially like nice. previously the, the um, movie tavern in Williamsburg was about 15 minutes away. And I was like, that's pretty great. Yeah. Um, but this one, I was like, Oh, this is so close. And I could have gone a couple times, um, but this is my last chance. And I could not decide what movie I wanted to watch. Um, I was between American fiction and poor things both of which um, our friend Fox highly recommended to me and also Godzilla, which I know you have um, spoken very highly of. And I was like, that could be a fun. And Mm -hmm. and between the three is probably the most theater worthy in terms of big screen spectacle. Yeah. Right. And we know that's important when picking movies. Yeah. It's like, what is, you know, what, what's a, what's a only theater movie. What's a only at home movie? What's a it would be fine either way um, kind of movie? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I think that's important when you're looking to spend money, right? To go sit down at a place, right? And, you know. Um, and you know, some of it's visual spectacle, music, sound, whatever. Some of it is just being captive in the experience and getting the cadence and pacing of the movie without all the pausing and stuff we talked about earlier. So I agree. All of that is to say, yesterday. I went to a 2.45 showing of American Fiction, 
and then came back to camp to feed and walk my dog and then went to an 8.30 showing of Godzilla. Um, I probably would have gone to an earlier showing of Godzilla, but there was a 5.15 and an 8.30. And by the time I got back and fed the dog, it was 20 after 5. And I was like, I'll just wait for the 8.30. Yeah. So that was my theater experience yesterday. Nice. So do you want to start by talking about those? Sure. Uh, okay, so let's let's talk about the one we don't know, or that we don't have similar together. So we both saw Godzilla. We'll talk about Godzilla a second. Okay. Let's talk about tell tell me about the the other one that you saw. Was it American Fiction? American Fiction. I saw a trailer for this, but only once. So give me a rundown on what it is. Yeah, this is um, something Fox saw and recommended. I think before I had even heard of it, um, and I was a little confused because there's another movie just about to come out that is about a writer. Um, called Argyle. Uh, this movie, yeah, yeah. I think, could not be more different from what Argyle looks like. <laughs> okay. Argyle's not out, so I haven't seen yeah. it. But um, essentially, this is the story of a author who is um, a college professor of, so I think, of literature, because there's a scene in the beginning. Yeah. Um, who is frustrated that his books are not selling very well. They're they're not selling very well, and he's having trouble getting a publisher to pick up his latest book. Um, The difficulty seems to be that all of the publishers looking for uh, writers of color, black writers, um, are looking for quote-unquote black books right about right i remember the, about, the like you, okay, you yeah. could see this in the trailer um and yes right i'd forgotten and that. so he gets frustrated there's a lot about his family he goes home and his family are all very like um his siblings are both doctors um you know very uh um accomplished family but there's there's history and yeah. drama and stuff with that. Um, and he, as a as a, a little bit of a joke, a little bit of a statement, writes a terrible, um, like, kid from the ghetto, time in jail, whatever, who gets killed by police at the end or something. I don't know. They don't go into a lot of detail of the story. There's just a couple of scenes which are really good. Um sort of trying to illustrate his creative process as he's writing. And it, of course, blows up and becomes a massive sensation. And he uses a fake name, so he's going through it, and nobody but his agent knows that he wrote this book. And then people in his life start to find the book and read it, and he gets in sort of arguments with them, but can't... They don't know that he wrote it. Um and stuff like that um it's it's like from that description and from that premise it sounds fairly political or at least social commentary um i believe i believe that and it is that to an extent but it doesn't really 
I would say it doesn't have an overt message, except that it mostly is just saying this is messed up. But there's no, there's never, yeah, there's yeah. never any like, um, like, like, uh, here's what we need to do. Here's what you sh- should do. Here's the thing you should feel bad about kind of stuff. It's just, yeah. this is the state of publishing for, um, black people, persons of color in America or, you know, whatever. Um, and, th- but the, the, the actual like events of the story, the things that happen, the conversations, most of it is very, very funny. Um, I laughed out loud several times um, at just some of the ridiculousness and, and the weird little um, um, sort of quirks and, and um, those kind of things. I don't don't know. That, that it feels like, it sounds like what you're describing is something that like does have a message, but we always talk about um, that it's not preaching to you, but it, it kind of it's it that's kind of the point, but right. it gets the message away without feeling like that way. And I like that stuff. I mean, yeah. It sounds that's am I right? With that's the way yeah. it is. Yeah, and it's and it's funny. I think and which you, is important important to um, emphasize. Right, well, that, that's good to know. I'm I'm looking for an, another film to go watch. I'm going to watch two things this weekend mm. and or maybe more and you know you you, you start running into like i've seen all the ones that i want to see here right. that you might be good and sometimes it's nice to see hear something like that so maybe i'll go check that one out as well would you give it a thumbs up to people recommend it yeah. would you recommend it to me for me to go watch i think so yeah oh yeah. awesome uh, okay, so that takes us to Godzilla minus one. I had you can go back and look in the things, and I've kind of given it a, a review without too much details. Mm-hmm. Um, my overall review there was that I really, really liked it. It's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Godzilla movie. Um, I really liked the one with uh, Godira, which is the like the five headed or the was it three headed serpent Hydra type one. No idea. Um, but this one was just a better film, I thought. Uh, because it was just good. And then I love that I can say this now because you can give me your feedback and your thoughts on it. <laughs> I felt like it slowly – it started out as this kind of like serious-ish movie grounded in some realism um, and then slowly turned into an anime. And by the time I realized it was an anime was around the time when they got the plane at the end, like the special plane. Um. And he was looking for his, the engineer guy. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, this is like straight out of an anime, the way they're acting and and the way he's overdoing things and stuff. And I'm like, I'm for it. I'm in it now. (laughs) Like, this is perfect. This is, this is the anime, a real life anime. They snuck on me and this is great. Um, So I've said sometimes before, give me your thoughts on Godzilla and my son. Now you watched it in color. I've seen it in both and I like him in both. I don't. Think I did not watch it in color. I watched it in black and white. Yeah. I. I. All oh, right. Yeah. All right. Um, I think the the original run was all in color, and so this black and white run is a is a second run. Um, oh. I. I've seen. Like I said I've seen them both, and I think they're they're both both great. Either. Yeah. Way. I. I think. Um, now I can't compare because I haven't seen them both. I think the black and white fit perfectly mm-hmm. because of the time. Right. It's. It's yeah, 45 mm-hmm. to 40, 
seven, something like that. Like the um, yes, yeah. Akiko never. It's right when the war ends. Never grows up. Like she's at most three or four by the end of the movie. So it doesn't. It doesn't get all the way to the fifties. Um, I don't think. Yeah. Um, I would have said it's very Japanese. It even has the. Yes, whatever yes, whatever that splash screen is at the beginning with um Japanese text on it and the sort of glowing blue thing logo I see that whenever I see an anime film um and I don't know what it says but it was at the beginning of this movie and I was like oh okay and then it's I mean it's 100% Japan Tokyo um Giza district like immediately following world war two and the few years after that. Right. Um, and the whole story of Shikishima, the main character, um, Mm -hmm. and the people around him is very Japanese, right? It's his, his whole, like, this is a tiny spoiler, but you get this like in the first scene of the movie almost um he's he's a kamikaze pilot who i mean he doesn't um he doesn't desert but he very close to deserts right and right and he's dealing with that shame right it's it's something that is you know obviously at least a little bit foreign to an American audience, but I think anybody who's watched a decent amount of um, Asian and especially Japanese content knows that, um, you know, their ideas of honor are more extreme than ours. Um, yes, right. It's pretty pretty given. Right? Yeah, but as you say that anime thing, I can think of scenes where, you know. One of the characters, especially the the other guys on the boat, um, or the the yes, the, whoever the captain, whatever he's, I think they call him captain. Um, he, he just captain, yeah, he, right? He acts like an anime character, um, and so that's like a thing yeah, I was talking sure. about a week or so ago about like, is this like what if this is anime and what if it is just Japan, like just the way that yeah, they yeah. Mm-hmm. sometimes act when they get excited um because i've seen i've seen um video of real you know non-animated um japanese women and young women and they they act like anime characters like they're not you know they're obviously <laughs> not turning into chibi or anything like that but they get excited and the tone you know they express what they're saying with different there's a great I laughed at it early on um, when he first meets the girl uh, whose name I'm forgetting right now. And he says something, something, what, whatever he says. And she follows after him and she goes, eh? which is just E-H, right? It's a eh. like, it, yeah, it's, right. it's one of those things like we have equivalents in English, but that means something completely different depending on your tone and inflection, right? You're like, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, what? 
Um, but she drags it out like that. And, <laughs> and the subtitle underneath says, interesting. And I'm like, that's, that's, that's <laughs> what she's saying. Like, it's the same word, but it means something different. Um, which, you know, what, whatever. Um, yeah, I, uh, yeah, it wasn't the, the anime thing is interesting because I, I didn't see that until the stuff with the ships and the tethers. I was like, okay, okay, sure. But by that point, it's built <laughs> so much. Like it's gotten more ridiculous and more extreme. I'm like, how is, is this? And I mean, maybe it helped me that I've seen so little Godzilla content that I was like, what's he standing on? Like if the, they're not on shore, but he's standing in the ocean like Godzilla, you mean yes. Yes, the actual Godzilla? Yeah. Yes. I'm like, what's, what's he standing on? And then they do all this stuff with the Freon and, and all of that. And I was like, okay. And then, but by that point you've seen Godzilla moving and behaving like a guy in a suit. Um, and when I was, right, I don't remember what I was looking up. I, th I think maybe I was trying, cause I, I didn't watch a trailer for it. Um, I said this, I think I said this off the air because when I was trying to decide what movies to watch, I watched trailers for American fiction and poor things, uh, after our, our movie of the week made me a little skeptical on movies. Um, but for this one, I didn't need to watch a trailer because I already knew that you liked it and that it is an homage <laughs> slash remake of the original classic Godzilla. And I'm like, okay, that's yeah. pretty much all I need to know. Um, but right. um, some of some of the things that happened, I just went, that must be a Godzilla thing. Like, that's just that's just a thing but yeah at some point i was looking up this movie maybe trying to figure out what the deal was with the minus color thing or something and one of the autocomplete questions on on google or DuckDuckGo or whatever was um is godzilla versus one or godzilla minus one uh because i saw a trailer for the next godzilla versus kong movie um in Right, I think yeah. not in that, but actually before American Fiction. Anyway, um, though they both had different uh, whatever Planet of the Apes we're on now, Planet of the Apes 12. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Kingdom of the Planet King, of the Apes. Kingdom yeah. of the Planet of the Apes. Um, I think I think now the new ones have passed the originals because there were like five or six originals. Um, anyway. Yes. Yeah. Uh, the, the question on Google was, is Godzilla minus one suit suitmation? I think they call it, which is like, why do you need a word for that? Whatever. Um, like, right, right. is it a guy in the suit? And the answer was, yeah. it's not, it's, it's CG, um, as you would expect, yeah. but they intentionally made it like the original and the original was a dude in a suit. Um, and so it's very yeah. like, he doesn't do anything with his arms. He walks very slow, yeah. like a guy wearing a heavy suit would walk. Um, yeah. Yeah. And all that stuff, but all with modern special effects, which I think, I think we're almost enhanced by it being in black and white because the black and white is like, Oh, sure. I'm watching an old movie, but there's a monster 
and the monster looks like modern CGI looks. He looks real. And it he does yeah. it like charging yeah. up for the heat ray and the the blast looks like a new mushroom cloud and all of that stuff. And yeah. so like you get the you get the feeling of a classic, you know, fifties movie, but without the cheesy special effects of the time that, that, uh, take you out of it. Um, and that, which, that's well, that's really well said. Yeah. I, I, I actually had forgotten that. I thought that thing, that same thing the first time I watched it when in the color version. Um, cause I kept thinking when, when the guy in the suit thing, I kept it expecting it to be cheesy. Cause there, there were a couple scenes where I could feel that one of them was like, he's walking, they make a scene where he walks on the land and they have to get him back in the water. Yeah. And it was like, this feels like they're trying to do the guy walking in the suit on a set type mm-hmm. thing, but better. And and I saw it in color and y- y- I agree with you that the black and white helps kind of make it feel like it's that old thing and does, does its job really well. But if you watch it in color, it's actually – the CGI is really, really good. Mm. Like it looks like a real thing. And then he's got reds and colors in his face that are appropriate. His, when he like lights up his heat ray type thing, it is very neat. Him coming through the water. Um, and they're trying the- to shoot mines into his mouth. It's just realistic looking. I'm like, that's, that was really good. But watching it in this black and white had the exact effect you just said. Like are the now I feel like I'm watching an old Godzilla film. Boy, this is a weird this is a weird thing. When he charges up for the heat ray, do his scales turn blue? Like glow? Yes, glow they turn blue. Blue in in in, in the color. Mm-hmm, correct. Uh, and you don't see that in the black and white. It just gets like color. It gets lighter. I wonder right? I wonder if it's completely black and white. Because I like oh, did you know that? Remembering it, I see blue. I see the scales blue and I'm like, were they blue or did I just imagine that because of the color that they gave? It's like the, I remember hearing this when I took film appreciation in college, somebody watched, um, um, psycho, I think. And when asked what the, what the scariest thing about it was, she said, um, the like the red blood running down into the the bathtub drain in the shower scene and the movie's black and white yeah right so like how 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 does she reacting to how red the blood was in a black and white movie um and so i'm wondering i'm wondering if it's that kind of thing where i do like my brain just after looking at black and white for enough time like filled in the blanks on the color um yeah or if it, I'm pretty sure, or if it, it actually was, became I'm color. I'm sure I remember it not being blue. Yeah, may, maybe I just, I just eventually started grafting that on because I, <laughs> that, that into it. I also feel like, um, I also feel like there were other things that I saw, I saw color in, like some of um, the girl's uh, kimonos that she's wearing. Oh, um, okay. Maybe I just. Well, you'll have to. My brain just filled in a, those a Google gaps. search yeah. for. Yeah, you have to do a Google image search for Godzilla minus one and just to see some of the colored in versions mm-hmm. and you'd be like, oh, that's pretty cool. Right. Um, so I, I like that we're 
discussing this with that black and white one and things because it's it's the same film and it's just as good and everything translates really well. And black and white doesn't change the film. It just does exactly what you said was make it kind of feel like you're watching it. And I know that's kind of a trick sometimes to put it in black and white, but this is intentionally an homage to the old ones um, in a modern way. Yeah, I think it, and I think it, it's something I loved about I it. I think it's a, it's very appropriate here because they're remaking an old black and white film and it's set in a time when all films were black and white. Um, so right. it's, I, I, and, and I don't think of it as a gimmick at all in the way that I would say maybe like, um, didn't they do a black and white version of justice league Snyder cut or probably, or, um, yeah. or Logan, right? Like there's no reason yeah. to, I mean, I think I saw some of it and it was cool, but just like a, a you know, a, a weird director's gimmick. Yeah. Well, it, I, I, it's obviously I'll watch this multiple times when it comes out, but I would, I would recommend you watching it in color just so that you can get that different, not necessarily in the theater, but on things just so you can get that perspective. Comparison. Because I, I did feel watching it in color. I still felt that like, Hey, we're seeing a fifties monster movie, but with realistic graphics and mm-hmm. realistic cinematography, which was such a, a such a fun, interesting feeling to have. Um, and it was backed up by great, great story, good dialogue, characters that you care about, um, good pacing. I, I'm talking too much. I've already said this, but I should let you talk. So what? I'll just ask you questions. What, what did you think of Godzilla? Let's put it that way. Was he on screen enough? Was he menacing enough? Did he feel terrifying? How, was he a good monster? I should say. Yeah, I mean, or is he just a, a corny man in a suit? You definitely get the terror, um, but not not in a way that ever felt cheesy or contrived. I don't know if that was the setting, the the time period, the black and white, what that was. It never felt like a like a Roland Emmerich movie, like an Independence Day or something. And maybe that's because you see him more. Right. Um, yes, right. And it didn't feel... He's not a good guy in this one, for sure, right? No, no. He's just a force of nature, you know, kind of kind of thing. Right. And you, you see him swimming. Like, he's, he's maybe more menacing in the water than he is on land, which I'm sure is intentional. Um, yeah, yeah. The, there, there are, as I said before, there are definitely times where... He's moving like a guy in a suit, but at the same time, there's, so there's one part of me that's like, well, yeah, they're remaking the original. Of course, there's going to be a little bit of, he's going to look like this, like the, the head, the face looks like, I don't know, looks like a Godzilla head. Like it doesn't look, doesn't look like a dinosaur. It looks like Godzilla. There's nothing else that looks Looks like Godzilla that looks like that, um, with the head shape and the weird um like crystalline structure of the of the spines the scales his spines are cool Sp- in this. i think they were scales, really yeah um and then how about that how about that heat ray they did a good job of heat ray right yeah yeah it's very like oh and you can't like at least for me like you can't separate it from the 
the bombs, right? Hiroshima and Nagasaki, which is yeah, right. which is very intentional. I kind of wonder if that was intentional, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, they even show there's a very very brief scene where you see um, the bikini atoll test, which is I don't know one of our yes one of the U.S.'s original tests, and that sort of like waking him, right? It's like a Balrog. Um, you mean the one we saw in Mothra? Or Monarch in Monarch? Monarch, yeah. Um, (laughs) And, right, so you you know that. Like, you don't really see, and it maybe helps that I listened to a whole um, hardcore history series last year or the year before about Japan in World War II. And he talks about all of the firebombing that happened in Tokyo, um, like all the all the bombing that was happening before we dropped the bombs um, and how much of their, like their buildings and their infrastructure were all wood. Right. And so the city would just burn and burn um, because they had so much more wood compared to European cities that had more brick and concrete, probably not as much concrete yet, but um, more, more metal and brick and stone. Um, than, than they used in, in Japanese cities. And so you have that just like wrecked out city, right? Where they're, where they're staying. Um, and then to have that, like, you know, here's Ginza district. It was mostly untouched by the war. And now this giant monster just walks up out of the sea and starts trashing it just by walking through like he's not even really he's just walking around and like like brushes his leg against that building and the reporters start to fall and all that you're just like this is like natural disaster basically um it's terrifying right like yeah you get to see it from every i think every shot they show of godzilla well for the most shot for the longest time is on a human scale right when you're down below or those guys on the roof and you're like the scale is just re- this. You pick this is you're proving your 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 statement earlier is that picking this one to watch in a theater is what you, it helps see that scale. Yeah, right yeah. This big and, and I think you know I I mean I've seen some monster movies in the theater, but not many. I don't think I've seen a Godzilla movie in the theater prior to this. I saw one of the Godzilla versus Kong. I don't know how many of them there have been, but I saw the one with. Was Millie Bobby Brown in that? Yeah, she was in one. Yeah. Or she's actually been in two or three, maybe. They're like fighting on a boat or something. And it was just like... Yeah, it's terrible. Like, it's like terrible. I, I, I never <laughs> cared about any of it. And this one... Yeah. There's a lot of time in the first act that's that there's no Godzilla. Like, you see Godzilla in the beginning, and then it's just their life, his life, for the next half hour. And I'm like, okay, this is well. To to be fair, I I I checked that because I I thought that first time I watched it that I was surprised that they actually show Godzilla, and I was worried about going to a lot of Godzilla films where there's not Godzilla in a lot. This one, every time your interest starts to wane, like oh, this we're not watching Godzilla again. They they put him on screen. Mm. It's kind of like paced intentionally. You get him within the first ten minutes, right? And then and then there's a long time. Not quite a long time, but a good amount of time. And then he starts to have flashbacks of Godzilla and you see him again. So they they pepper him in just to remind you, which is a nice thing, I think, that they should do. 
anyway, didn't mean to interrupt you on that one. Uh, so the his heat vision was super cool. I thought like probably one of the best heat visions I've ever seen. I did like the parallel to the to the bomb with it. Um, what about? Oh, they also gave him a they gave him a new superpower. They gave him Wolverine healing fact, factor, which I didn't <laughs> I didn't know. You know, it's going to be a, a thing. I, I didn't know that was new. So that's my again. That's my inexperience with the franchise. Um, yeah, it may not be new, but like the way he can basically regrow anything in a second was definitely new. Um, so next question. Um, I have always said one of the weakest things of Godzilla films is anytime Godzilla is not on the screen. It's just you're dealing with humans and that's boring. It's it's already usually B-movie material. Now you've got B-movie uh, story, B-movie cast at best um, with Godzilla films. How did you feel about the story and the human elements in this film? I mean, it was great. The The character, like, I understood the character and the, the main character and his... Um, emotional struggle like um you know without very much um exposition or or setup um yeah and mm -hmm. the sort of um um found family that he that he has and their um i mean i say there was a lot of that in the first act but you're right there's there really isn't a ton of it if you compare it to all the times that they're chasing or being chased or just getting wrecked by the monster and right and there's enough there's absolutely enough time dedicated to those characters their relationships their emotions their their struggles and their and their goals um to for me anyway to be fully invested in them and there's a, you know, the ending is kind of sweet, sugary. Like, I I probably would have been fine. Spoiler. But yes. Yeah, a li little bit of a spoiler. Um, maybe a lot of bit of a spoiler. Um, <laughs> I maybe would have been fine without that, but it was it was very satisfying. Um, anyway, I was not upset. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's my spoiler because the movie was great. If it did, if it didn't have the two saccharin things that happened at the end, but the fact that they had them made gave me the Taylor Swift heart, like oh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so, like I don't have to a notch over. I I don't have to put an asterisk on uh, on the end, and it's good. Like maybe there's a statement there about because um, uh, one of the one of the big wigs gives a gives a speech about um their country and and how they value lives um that I think I think helps that like it it still could have worked the other way but it's better this way that like oh the plane was built this way with this feature um because it was a prototype um whatever uh yeah uh, kind of the thing. back propeller thing whatever yeah, yeah. What uh, I agree with you. I I liked the characters in this, and I was went into it worried about that. Like, sure, I'll watch this Godzilla film, and I'll just watch it for the Godzilla things. But I'll and I'll and I'll endure the human parts and just deal with it and accept it. That's what it is. But I found that I liked it 
as much as the, the monster parts. It was, they're great. I loved the characters for all the reasons you said, and the fact that they didn't need to have a lot of exposition. Just what you said. It just was really done well. And the characters didn't have to say a lot, even though sometimes they did. Um, when they introduced these anime characters, I, I'm calling them anime characters, like Captain and Doc and things like mm -hmm. that. Um, they're kind of one-dimensional characters because they are anime-type characters. I keep saying that word. I don't mean to scare people off. But they're they're just one-dimensional-type characters. They're archetypes. That are, it, they serve the story exactly the way they're supposed to serve the story. Mm -hmm. And... It's 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 great. It's wonderful. And the main character has enough depth and or the main characters, I say, have enough depth to them that you understand them. Um, and yeah, I just I really I really liked it. And when we got to the you know, I like Godzilla as a hero, but him being a villain wasn't terrible here um, because I actually did care for these characters. And the, and it was so grounded in the war even though the war was over, but the, the world of the war that has happened there. Sure. It felt so much more kind of relatable that I could understand. I was watching, I switched into watch very early, maybe even the very first scene. I switched into kind of watching a, a just post world war two film. Mm -hmm. And that's what I was watching. Yeah. And it just did that. So I, and I can't think of, honestly, I can't think of another film that I've watched that really covers Japan right after the bomb drops in, in not a military fashion or not in a world kind of thing, but from a small local town standpoint. Yeah. I mean, and I mean, this we, did that for sure. We wouldn't have made a movie like that in the U S and yeah, I think the, the closest, I mean, and I don't know by any means if, if, if you know, send us an email, but um, maybe some of the Kurosawa films, from the fifties and even then were, were more like metaphors and allegory, right. In the way that, yeah. um, Tolkien's experience in the war shaped the way that he wrote Lord of the Rings, right. Where they're setting like, yeah. you know, a lot of Kurosawa's films are, are period, you know, Edo and, and whatever with samurai, but they're still like, Oh, these are, this is the end, you know, it's the end of a feudal, system and so we've got these samurai and they don't know they don't know what to do they don't know how to how to live in this changing um world because that's the state that yeah as i understand right. it um that's the state japan was in after world war ii is you know the end of this imperial system that became fascist um and now what are they going to do how how are they going to rebuild their country into something new. Um, yeah. I, I, one that was a, a movie that film that was similar to this, that gave me that kind of unique period piece thing. And some people don't like it. I do though. It's a, a film with Tom Cruise called the last samurai hmm. where he's from the civil war. He's a civil war right. veteran comes over to teach J J Japan and they're going through the very end of feudal Japan with the samurai into going, getting ready to go into world war one. Right. And, or sorry, world war two. And they, and it deals with this whole thing that we don't get to see in here in the U S this culture, this culture change. And that was what was happening here in this film. And I just really liked that. 
And it just started off with it, you know, him being kamikaze pilot, these people. And then Godzilla is almost almost the presence of war, right? Mm-hmm. He's not good or bad because he's not like – he's not a, a place a surrogate for the U.S. military no. thing. He's not that. He, but he's war. Yeah. And they all they all have times where they don't – they hate war, right? One guy kind of – young guy wishes he could have been in it and other ones are – you know, shocked and getting PTSD from the war. Right. Um, and Godzilla is just that constant reminder yeah. of that world that they're living in. And I also enjoyed some of the things where they, how the U S and Russia couldn't get involved in Godzilla mm-hmm. because U S had often after the, right after the war abandoned Japan in a lot of ways because, you know, they were their enemy first off and Russia was a, a major threat. Yeah. It came right after the war. So what, when we all know at the U.S., I'm sure in Russia, the history the history books go World War II right into the Cold War, right? Mm-hmm. That's our focus in all the history yeah. books. But for other places in the world, there was a lot of other history going on. Right. And this gave us a little bit of that in a monster movie. <laughs> so – Yeah, of all things. I loved it. And then again, th- that last act is, again, very – feels almost over-the-top anime with big stuff and – Heartfelt things and gunships and a complex plan that's almost silly in its in its uh, ideas, but I really like. There's one scene. I'm just going to say one bad thing about this film where the the two ships cross each other. They like do mm-hmm. a circle. Why do they need to be so close to each other that they <laughs> run into each other? Like when that made no sense. But, I th- right? I think this is the scene. Um, but when they're doing that planning, and somebody says, you know what about this or what? And they're gesturing to something off screen and it's, I think it's the thing. It's like the model with the the tank full of water and all of that. But when they said, what about this? I was fully open to them having some kind of mech, like some kind of steam (laughs) forties era technology, mecha godzilla that they're going to use to i was like i was like sure whatever is going to happen in this movie like i have no idea and it was it was not that i'm I'm there for it um no yeah so we talked a lot about this film Uh, either way i I think not to speak for you that you're giving as much of a thumbs up as i did right like recommended yeah to anybody i recommend it to everybody um i can't think of anyone i mean unless you're really little and we get scared sure of a monster but now I, I love this film. Um, and I, and even just talking about it now, I want to, I want to watch it again. Cause I just really enjoyed everything about it. Um, cool. All right. So Godzilla minus one guys go out and watch that thing. It, it's, I know it's a limited release. A lot of places, especially even the black and white one. It's, it's interesting that Dennis and I both got to watch that one. <laughs> uh, cause a lot of people don't even get to see the first one. It's not in all the theaters everywhere. Uh, and the black and white one was definitely was supposed to be only in Japan, but they did really sit in here, thankfully, mm. and in limited things. So getting to watch it, both of us watch it the same weekend is, is a really good thing. And I, if anyone can go out there, gets an opportunity to watch it, you watch both. If not for that cool idea of you're watching an, what Godzilla, you know, I always think of that black and white one is what the creators of Godzilla, the director of the original Godzilla film would have wished he could have made a real Godzilla film like that. This would have been it. Mm. Right, but you're limited by a guy in a suit and yeah, death technology. Yeah, happens. and and maybe there might be something to say for, um, like 
the intervening decades to be able to tell such a um such a kind of raw portrayal of life immediately following the war maybe i don't know yeah yeah maybe not you know what i would have liked maybe to... not 70 years worth of perspective but like 30 years maybe could have um sure who knows I, I I would I would have liked to have watched this one in IMAX. I think it would have been really cool to watch this mm. in IMAX. Um, it would would have been something neat. Uh, okay, well we talked enough about Godzilla minus one. Um, so you also saw. To, uh, um, oh yeah, I saw Beekeeper. The, the bees, bees. Um, the, the bees, bees. I saw Beekeeper. It's Jason Statham film. Uh, somebody tried to make, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I, uh, somebody tried to make a John Wick for James, Jason Statham, I think is what happened here Okay. because was Nick Cage in this? They, they peppered it. Uh, no, no, Nick Cage is not in this. Just okay. Jason Statham. I must be thinking of uh, Wicker Man or whatever that movie is where he's got a Maybe. helmet full of bees over his head. Oh no, a different kind of bees thing. Yeah. Um, the, the premise is very far-fetched and silly. They tried to make for a minute. They try to make the beekeepers. So beekeepers are supposed to be the secret organization that is outside of the government. And anytime something goes wrong and the government can't deal with it, these beekeepers will recorrect the system. Oh. It's so absurd. Are there um, are there bees? I feel like I watched the trailer and saw bees. Maybe not. Well, yes. I mean, he, he does. Jason Statham is a retired beekeeper. And <laughs> in his retirement, he decides to actually, shocker, raise bees. So okay, so he, he is so a he beekeeper. Re- he retires from being a figurative beekeeper, and in retirement becomes a literal beekeeper. Correct. Okay. Correct. So did you know ra- people get confused about random all the time? Random tangent, but in the canon of Sherlock Holmes, that's what he does when he retires from detective work. Is moves out to the country oh, and keeps bees. Yeah. I did, I did not I've, know that. I've, well, that, that's yeah. what this guy did. Yeah, it's funny. So so he, he goes out there, becomes a beekeeper, uh, and the the everything's in the trailer with the, the story being that sure. uh, he, for five minutes in the film, the mom Huxtable, I can't remember her name from the Cosby show. Okay. Uh, she takes care of him she's just nice to him and he's like and he says the line nobody's taken care of me before like i don't know what she did to take care of him but whatever right he just says that line and then she goes inside and some over the top like telemarketer hacker people call her up get her to put in the password they steal all of her account and all the charity work she does for a million dollars two million dollars some kind of nonsense Mm -hmm. and steals everything she has and they are ridiculously Hollywood movie glorified hacker corporation stuff. It's insane. Sure. Um, and I mean, just like the worst you can think of and film, that's what they did. Uh, and then he goes and she, and she kills herself. And then he goes on a spree to go stop that. Okay. Business. So, so that's his, yeah, so that's his, uh, killing his dog. Right. Yes. Right? I guess. She, exactly. Felicia Rashad gets fridged. Um, well, correct. Sort of. So, but, but you actually had a little bit of attachment to John Wick's dog in that scenario than you had to Felicia Rashad. And, uh, they try for a second to make this beekeeper society, like equivalent to the John Wick society, which is one huge draw for the John Wick films. Okay. 
Um, but they they mention it. They say something about it. Um, Jeremy Irons describes what they are, and then they don't do anything with it the rest of the film. And you're like, okay, I see where you're do- doing some John Wick stuff here, and then you just got confused that Jason 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 Statham was in this movie, and forgot all about that. So, d- and then the rest of the film is just him doing Jason Statham the whole film. D- d- so was it like a um, like a Man from Uncle kind of thing where they feels like they were tr- they're trying to set up a franchise? For a second, it did. Yes, okay. it, it really did. But they did, like, just the beginning. Like, someone wrote it like they were going to do that. In the first 15, 20 minutes, maybe, maybe 15 minutes of film, it felt like, okay, they're going to try to set up a world here. Mm-hmm. But then the rest, hour and 15 minutes, no. Like, they just forgot all about that okay. and didn't care. And it was just so bad. Like, it's not, like, B-movie bad, but it's definitely <laughs> summer popcorn blockbuster bad. Transformers bad okay. type stuff. Yeah. So I was like, man, now, I knew it wasn't going to be great. I went into it not expecting anything but that. Sure. But I I enjoy Jason, Jason Statham. <laughs> You'll get it eventually. Kicking butt. I, yeah, I will, right? <laughs> uh, I enjoy him kicking butt. Sure. But everything else was so incredibly horrible. And his kicking butt was so, like, lame and just ridiculous. He he beats a bunch of FBI agents in full riot gear with helmets. And he punches them in the helmet, hmm. in the helmet with his fist. Uh-huh. And they fall down knocked out all but, the time. Uh, we, and I'm like, We've what? definitely seen that in another movie. And I can't think of what it was. Oh, but he does it like six times in the same shot. It's like, what, what is yeah happening one one guy he he's on his back and he's got like a mask on or something and jason jason takes his hand and puts it over his mouth and knocks him out by holding his his hand over his mouth like does this guy not have hands to grab with or can move around but just because statham puts his hand on his mouth he's knocked out sure it's just really really bad so i've already said too much to make anybody semi-interested in this movie it's not even good bad it's just bad okay don't don't watch it at all so pass uh okay so we've spent enough time on these things let's do one more film thing and do our movie of the week uh that we had from a viewer okay uh, suggestion all right this week we watched the killing of a sacred deer from 2017 from our former friend, Aaron. <laughs> see what I did there. <laughs> nice. Um, nice. <laughs> this is... Uh, this is an A24, right? Is this, this A24? Is, this is an A24. Um, okay. The director... Which is a lot. Uh, Yorgos, Yorgos Lathmus. I don't know. He's Greek. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing his name. Um, okay. Better known for The Lobster and more recently Poor Things that is probably going to win Oscars. Um, I've not seen that yet. Um, yeah, starring. Uh, um, why is the why is the um, the cast here on on IMDb is all out of order? Colin Farrell, got a decent cast. Yeah, Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman, um, Barry Keegan, Alicia Silverstone for a minute. Um, yeah, I was disappointed that she was only in there in a minute. I thought she was going to have a whole thing. Yeah, yeah. 
Um, this is a horror slash psychological thriller um, based on a Greek myth, which I did not realize until it was over. Um, do you want to do spoilers segment? Uh, sure. Yeah. Okay. I mean, sure. Um, I'll, I'll go ahead and spoil before the spoiler that I don't think I would recommend this to almost anybody, but, uh, <laughs> you're, you're jumping to the end. Yeah, yes. I'm yeah, with you there. <laughs> I'm jumping to the end. So we're going to talk about it in detail. So if you haven't seen it and plan on, or think you might go see it and you don't want us to spoil anything, uh, jump ahead for final thoughts. I did the thing where I said the warning before I hit the bell, but this is a spoiler section. So <laughs> skip ahead if you don't want to be spoiled on killing of a sacred deer. Um, so this movie is, oh, how do I, how do I even say this? It's, it's awkward in both the acting, writing, I say both because I'm going to say three things. Um, the acting, writing, and cinematography, also the music, um, everything about it is awkward and discomforting in a way that feels contrived. Okay. Um, the, the characters spend the first nearly hour of the movie, almost half of the movie, just going about their lives saying things in many cases that people don't say um most yeah. uh most um jarring blatant example that comes immediately to mind is um uh Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman is is playing his wife they are at a party like a classy um uh something um, i don't remember if it's a fundraiser or what it is and I think they're talking to his coworker. Like he's a surgeon and his closest thing to a friend is the anesthesiologist that he works with all the time. And at this party, yeah. like offering cocktails around and, and dropping the, the tiny bit of knowledge that, that Colin Farrell has been sober for three years. Um, he tells his coworker that their daughter started menstruating. Like, a week ago or right. whatever the yeah. exact line is. And I'm like, what, what is this? And then they're just <laughs> like, they're going to work. They're interacting. Like he's got some kind of awkward, uh, friendship with this, this, um, teenage boy, Barry Keegan. That's clearly, you're like, what's going on? Is this his illegitimate son or what? But then he talks about his dad yeah, yeah. and it's like, Yes, there is a little bit of story building exposition happening, but it's so incredibly slow. And the characters are all, um, they're like androids. They're like, yeah, they, they're intentional dialogue, intentionally speak, like right. awkward, stilted dialogue and expressing almost no emotion at any point, even I, I mean, this, I like this, you use that word. That I happened, Google searched that word with that. I what, said, what why is this movie spoken stilted dialogue? Stilted, yeah. Um, yeah. And I say the first half, but the like 
robotic performance and dialogue persists throughout the whole movie. Like as their lives yes. start to fall apart and they go into this crisis of so somehow um, it's never really clear whether um, the boy Colin Martin is uh, is doing this to them, making his kids sick or yeah. if it's just some kind of retribution from the gods as it would have been in the original Greek story, presumably. Um, yeah. There are only a couple of moments where any of the characters show any emotion. They're just like in this situation. And you're like, this is awful. This is terrible. Like their lives are falling apart and they're still just like Colin Farrell is just deadpan. Like almost, almost the entire time. Um, yeah. To the point where, like, aside from, so just for me, for the for the emotional response or, or reaction that I had to this movie, I was uncomfortable, which I think is intentional. And, yeah. um, like, tense and, and anxious for the, for the actual, um, like crisis, the, the danger that they're facing. Um, yeah, but I don't, I don't think at any point I, I had sympathy for any of the characters. Like Agreed. there was, there was Agreed, maybe yeah. one moment where Colin Farrell had delivered the line that if a patient dies, it's never the surgeon's fault. It's only, it's always the anesthesiologist. I'm like, yeah. Maybe he'll somehow convince Martin that it was the anesthesiologist's fault. But then, like, I took that thought to its natural conclusion. It was like, well, then is he or a member of his family going to die? Like, that's not better. I don't want... Yeah. I don't want Colin Farrell's family to survive at the expense of somebody else's family. And right. then I'm like, do, has, the, has the movie given me any reason to root for this family and hope that one that they all survive and one of them dies or will I be will will I be more upset about that than if they all die and I don't I don't think I ever cared one way or the other just like this I is agree. this is awkward and how soon is it going to be over <laughs> a little bit yeah no that, that that's a good that's a good way i'm glad you said that that last bit there because i felt that way through most of it um i think i i don't do this often but it was so confounding to me that i had to go pause and look up some things like why are they speaking this way what what am i missing because i felt like i'm i clearly have to be missing something that i'm not understanding right and then reading about things I realized that I wasn't being pretentious enough from a <laughs> cinematic standpoint. I wasn't, yes. you know, looking at this and saying, oh, with the, if you look in the deep things and why they're speaking this way evokes emotions of this. So it highlights that. I'm like, no, you're really going six steps in to make me feel a way. And it's causing all sorts of other problems, right? Like mm -hmm. the way they had the stilted dialogue is to, to remove – I think one of the reasons, primary reasons they said was that to remove you feeling connected to the characters so that you didn't know who was good guy or who was bad guy. 
and who was protagonist and who wasn't. Okay. I'm like, well, what you do by doing that is you also remove any reason for me to care, just like what Dennis just said yeah. about these. You leave, you're, if you remove the human elements and you start making them robotic, then there's no reason to care. So you may be getting this one point across in a, in a very pretentious way. But in the same way, you're cutting off all these other reasons to enjoy the thing. Um, you said something earlier to me when I was grumbling a bit. I think it was off, in messages. Off, you said off the air, or, or oh, and it's probably off the air. And I, and I'm, I'm trying to give you credit because I, sure. I definitely didn't come with this, but I think it's worth calling. You, you said it's a there's a difference between entertainment and art. I think uh-huh. is what you said. Sure. And this movie was in no way entertaining. No, I, I'll say no. that much. I don't. And, and and if if you're looking at it from an that's, art standpoint, that's intentional. Maybe. Right. Like. Right. Um. Somebody one after I finished the movie, I went on IMDb and skimmed over some of the reviews because it has a 7.0 on IMDb uh, rating. And I'm like, okay, what a seven, a seven, like seven, seven 7%? No, seven, oh, seven, out, seven of out of 10. Okay. And I'm like, like rotten tomatoes. What, was am thinking, I, okay. what am I missing? And the, and the rotten tomato scores are equally like, I think they're both in the eighties. So not, wow. Okay. Not fantastic. Right. Yeah. Not like everything everywhere numbers, it's still but better than I thought with them. Yeah. And, and when I looked that up, I had a little bit of the, like, selection bias, right? Like, this was highly rated by the people who would see this, who would watch this. Um, that, that's very true, because it's something to say is that I had never heard, never heard of it before. And I think people, the only people who would watch this are people who would watch this kind of film. Right. right? I think if I think if you are, and maybe this is something for out of spoiler section, so I'll save it, but... Um, you know, some of the things people said in the review, cause I read a couple of positive reviews early. And then as I scrolled farther down, I just read the negative ones for catharsis. <laughs> cause I was yeah. like, am I not, right. uh, you know, and you know, people are like, oh, it's a Greek myth, but it doesn't, it doesn't work in a modern, um, setting. But one of the, one of the early positive reviews that I read uh, early, I mean, higher up on the page, um, was that. It's it's not a movie you enjoy. It's a movie you appreciate, which on the surface, if you just say that, this is I said this off air um, on the surface sounds very pretentious, right? You're like, oh, it's it's yeah. a thing. Um, but the more I thought about that and I thought about some of the movies we watched from the poster um, were not entertaining, right? We're not fun, but we still appreciated them for you know, the message for the artistry of it, whatever I'm thinking of, mm-hmm. um, uh, Mary and Max, um, yeah, yeah. Moonlight, uh, Boys in the Hood. Um, well, you brought up, uh, the C- World City War of II, God, Schindler's List. uh, Schindler's List. Um, exactly. Like I, I don't want to know, I don't want to meet a person who enjoyed Schindler's List, but yeah, right. Yeah. I, I think, people who watch it appreciate it. They're like, I'm glad I watched that. I don't need to watch it again, ever again. Um, right. Yeah. And you know, and that's, that's Spielberg. So it already has like the, the saccharine Spielberg esque ending. Um, and so like that from, from a high level, but, um, one of the other reviews I read, probably one of the negative ones was, 
this story, the the like the the story, the plot of this movie is like a half hour art house film, right? Yes. Um, right. But stretched out to feature length, so you're just sitting watching these dead eyed characters um, say these ridiculous things, and then. I mean, we're in spoilers here. And then, uh, I keep wanting to say Nicolas Cage. Then Colin Farrell does basically spin the bottle meets Russian roulette to murder his son. And then the yes, curse is lifted. So stupid. And Just the movie's so over. Dumb. And you're like, okay, the movie's over. And there's one last scene with the family in the diner. And he comes in. Uh, uh, Martin comes in and Billy Keegan and has a cup of water and leaves and the movie's over. I'm like, okay, what? <laughs> what? What? Yeah. That, that um, what is the right word to, yeah. to, to segue into my thought of what, like, what, what am I supposed to get out of this? Like, even if it's mm -hmm. this like deep thoughtful thing of something, what message are they trying to tell here? I, I don't know besides, and I'm going to say the P word again, being pretentious and saying, oh, the deep way they're conveying emotion shows manipulative. You're, you're not teaching me anything. You're just trying to show off different weird things to evoke some kind of response in a different way. And I'll give, maybe that's a, that's a plus in its, in its credit is that it does, it's trying to do something different to evoke different responses maybe, or to sure. same responses in different ways. Mm -hmm. But, but either way, it's not fun or enjoyable. It doesn't have to, film doesn't have to be fun, but right. it does like, I'll say Schindler's list, for example, but it's not, it doesn't educate me. It doesn't make, I don't learn anything. I don't feel better for watching it. Um, this reviewer, uh, critic Kristen Lopez reviewed it with a positive score, but she said this sacred deer is definitely unique, but its substance is often too insurmountable to be accessible. And I agree like what they're trying to do just did not feel accessible to me while watching it all. And when it was mm -hmm. over after they did this terrible spin the bottle Russian roulette thing, I was like, why did I watch that? What, what happened here? You know, what did I get out of this? There's what was my time spent doing except sitting in sadness and <laughs> dread and just, I don't know, like the, the start of the little boy just dying. You know, he can't walk anymore and yeah. he's not likable or anything. And neither are any of the characters, but they, we're just going to sit for a long time with this boy with this terrible disease and knowing he's going to die with the dad who's also a terrible, terrible person and the daughter who is weird and stilted and I don't know what's happening there. She's got a crush, but it's, I want to say, it's the, I, at first I wanted to say it was the worst acting performance ever, but it's intentional. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I, I don't have any kind of relating to her in any way. And then she starts doing it and then she starts getting weird stuff like liking him, but then asking to die. And I don't know what's happening. The mom is unlikable. There's a couple sex scenes that are just awkward and weird. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So whatever they were trying to do, <laughs> I just walked away and said, didn't, no, no, didn't just, land. I mean, it's, I keep 
I, I just keep, didn't land. It, there wasn't any reason for it. Right. I didn't have. Yeah. I, I mean, I keep thinking and comparing it to art, right? Which I know is a word people throw around a lot, but that's, and I'm sure I've said this on the, on the podcast before, like, that's my understanding of what art is. Like, it's something you can't explain. It's some, you know, you look at, I, I saw that's a paint, I saw a painting in the Chicago Art Institute, whatever order those words go in, and just stared at it. I was like, this is, I don't know. Like, I can't describe, I can't describe what this is making me feel. And that to me is what art is. But, um, with this movie, um, we can probably jump out of spoilers here, I think. This is really only. I, I, I yeah. Un- I, I will have to. Have... I'll have to come back. No, I don't. I don't. I'll have to okay. come back and talk. Well, I did want to say, in still in spoilers, um, the spin the bottle Russian roulette thing bothered me to no end because what's worse than killing one of your kids? How about shooting multiple times around them with they've got blindfolds on and they think they're going to get shot at every time? How yeah. about the worst kind of torture? Right? Is yeah, what he like, was doing like draw straws or roll a die a die something like yeah you can pick randomly without doing this um and what's what's the odds he's actually going to shoot one of them right, right. that how many, been so super low how many times is he going to miss shoot up their house and how come none of the neighbors heard and called the police or anything but of course this this movie doesn't take place in the real world so you can, no it doesn't you, make there's no sense to it stuff. right yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so coming out of spoilers, I tried to compare this to other, uh, I don't know, weird isn't the right word, but challenging or, or offbeat kind of movies that I've seen. Um, most recently dream scenario, um, or another, um, Colin Farrell, uh, Barry Keegan, movie uh banshees of inishirin um and i felt like i had a third well the room but the room is its own beast um and um banshees of inishirin was baffling to me and and just like what what is going on and why until i looked it up after i watched it and found out that it's an allegory for the Irish Civil War. I'm like, okay, if I had known that before, I probably would have enjoyed or at least appreciated the movie more. Um, yeah. Because, you know, you have two guys behaving like the sides in the, in the war. And so it, you know, it, it makes a little more sense. Um, and then dream scenario we talked about last week, um, that was a, for the first two thirds, like I understood what was going on, even though it was like this random thing where he's appearing in other people, like there's, there's no explanation for that. And that's fine. Like a movie doesn't have to explain everything to me. I still understood they were still all real people, right? Like. Here's this yeah. guy, this random, boring guy who this thing starts happening to, and he reacts in a kind of natural way, right? Gets a little um, egotistical and, and all those things. like, and, and then things fall apart for him. And then 
I don't think I didn't have to look it up. I mean, we, you and I talked about it and I talked about it with Fox, but even without that, I could have just thought about it for 20 minutes and went, okay, this is what this movie is about. It's a, it's a sort of think piece on virality and cancel culture and the fame and the approval of the message. I said all this stuff last week. Um, Yeah. And, and I bring those examples up to show that usually, typically when I watch a movie and don't get it, right. I'm like, what, what was that? Why did I watch that? What was that for? Um, I can find something. Um, yeah. You know, even if, you know, we'll watch like, like 2001, a space odyssey is another good example. We're like, good example. Yeah. Like what the hell is that ending? Now, of course that movie's, I don't know, 50 plus years old. And so people have theorized and discussed it at ad nauseum and they're like, okay, well I can, nobody knows for sure. Cause it's, cause it's, um, abstract, but they're like, okay, if, if the aliens are so, are so different from us that we can't understand them, then all the weird shit at the end of the movie is just trying to demonstrate that. And then when they yeah. send a, an ambassador, when they send a, an emissary to come meet humans, it's a baby the size of the planet because they don't understand. Like maybe they're not <laughs> the size of the planet. They I forgot they about that. They, they don't have, they don't have physical shape like we do or whatever. And it's just showing that in a more abstract artistic way than Star Trek has done several times. Um, yeah. Anyway, all that to say, like I look for those things, especially if we're discussing it on the podcast. I'm like, what, what's the, What's the merit in this? What is, even if it didn't, you know, if it didn't connect for me personally, if I didn't, you know, figure it out or, or whatever, like, like, what is this? The closest I can come to for this movie, and this is going to be my recommendation, is if you are a big fan of horror, the horror genre, and especially psychological thrillers not just the slasher you know scream halloween um kind of movies but something more something more cerebral more like gets in your head um and want something unique and different in that in those genres i think you might appreciate this movie and that's you are stretching and that's and that's <laughs> it that's the, that's the mo- that's the best i can do <laughs> yeah you you're doing a good job of trying to help out that this this people um i wouldn't recommend it to anybody um uh, i i'm 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 very happy to have such a good friend in you that helps me sometimes <laughs> see the other side of things when when i refuse to see them um but even this one, when I read afterwards and what it's for and about and has the, the, the Greek tragedies that it's kind of based on, it, it still was like, I didn't like those Greek tragedies, the ones that they're, they're basing <laughs> things on. They weren't good in the first place. Just because we have those stories doesn't mean they're necessarily great. Sure. 
Um, and, and then, so those old ones don't really moder translate into modern ones very well. And then this one isn't a good one of that. Um, and then what they're doing art-wise, if we look at it from an art perspective, I can give respect for that um, only because sometimes art, I feel there's a cop out to say, oh, it's in the eye of the beholder when I will have to say that's just a, someone put poop on the, on the canvas. It's not <laughs> art, you know. Um, and so to say that something is art sometimes feels like a cop out. So I'm trying to say that. I don't know if that's the case with this thing. It may just be art and I just don't understand it, but I don't get the art of it either. And I, I totally have read and what the director and them say, what they're going for here. And I see it. I just don't think it's great. And it's, you know, it's like, I want to see experience what it's like to put needles in my eyeballs <laughs> to see what that's like. Right. Like that's not the extreme here, but I, I don't like that. Why would you do that? Right. And the same thing here. Why, why would you make this thing not fun or enjoyable or there's no message or anything to learn just to do it just because? OK, I, if that's why you you appreciate that to watch a thing and, and then look at it and say why, then sure, this works. That that's the I the only thing I can see this to be OK with is that it's different and it's an art piece like you would go to an art house gallery and see Jackson Pollock. You see a Jackson Pollock thing and are just stuff speared across a camp canvas. And if that's something you find interesting, then maybe this film is interesting. Did but this movie I don't have an anecdote like about Jackson Pollock? Was that this movie? Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. No, it but. might have. I, I've watched so many movies in the past week. I don't remember if I saw that in a movie or if it was <laughs> a TV show or maybe even TikTok. Anyway, go on. Uh, maybe. Well, anyway, I, I, yeah, I just followed up with it. Did not like it. I didn't get the art for it. If if we are people like it for the art, I didn't get that. Um, and I have been explained why that art was there. And it's not to my appealing in any way. Take that away. There's absolutely nothing I like about this film. And it's one of the worst films that I, the kind of films that I, I don't like. I don't like tragedies anyway. Um, this was sitting in a long tragic thing that went nothing but even worse tragedy and then just ended. And you're like, this feels like everything that Michael check off. Michael's <laughs> doesn't like films uh, checklist. Sure. So well, I will, I will go back and see our good buddies, Emma and Aaron who recommended this. And I, I you know, I, I love them dearly and they're wonderful, wonderful people who I respect and I really respect their opinions. So I'm going to have to sit back to them and give them, let them explain to me in the same way that our but good buddy, Captain Chris explained the Coca-Cola kid to us <laughs> why he like, remember that? Like we were totally off the reservation with that one. And then he came back and at least had us think of a different way. You'll, so, you'll have to, maybe, you'll have to report back to me what they say, but I, I do have what might be a clue. I think, okay. I think when you mentioned this, you said one or both of them said they wanted to hear us talk about it. So that could be it. That, that might, could be it. that might yeah. give you a, give you a clue as to their, that, their motivations. That's true. There. So yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll go ask Emma and Aaron and see, see what their opinions is. And I'm, I am actually honestly eager to find out something perhaps that I didn't see or, sure, sure, yeah. um, an interesting thing. Cause you know, that's, that's worth it. All right. So what are we watching next week? Um, we talked about this off the air a little bit. Is it, who's um, you, you picked this? 
but it was a I, it was I, a listener yeah. pick. So I can pick or or you can. What, what, I thought we came to a decision, a co-decision here. What what was it? Um, oh, we threw a couple things. Is is it? I thought you had, Ocean's you had Thirteen. Had that was one, but I thought you picked a better one. Now I'm just I'm I'm dying because I, I remember you. I thought you picked a better. I mean, one. I was joking um, that I was going to finally pick rain rain over me. Um, oh, that's, that, that, no, no, um, no. Our Ocean's Thirteen is fine. Yeah, we. Oh, I know what it was. Step Brothers. Step Brothers. I've never because you seen hadn't that. seen Step Brothers. It's Will Ferrell yeah. and um, um, yeah. Wreck It Ralph. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, damn it, John. I I don't I can't think of his name either. But it's it, the guy that the voice it, of Wreck It Ralph. Yeah, yeah. From from Chicago and a bunch of other stuff. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. that's who yeah. I was thinking, but I'm drawing a blank on his name. Okay. Yeah, uh, I, everybody knows my. Even casually watch listens to this show knows my uh, seasonal affective disorder is in uh, high <laughs> high gear. In full steam. So what, what coming off? Of, yeah, full steam ahead. So coming off of, of this film, um, Killing of the Sacred Deer, I need something. <laughs> so it, actually, I'm I'm happy to watch this one, and um, I'm excited for you to watch it. It's not the best movie in the whole world. Well, somebody might disagree with you, me, but I just, I'd, I'd like you to have a good time. <laughs> sure. Let's put it that way. Uh, cool. All right. So that's, that's for next week. Let's see. We got, oh, we're coming close on time. Can, can you, um, can you cover Deep Space Nine season one and two in five minutes? Probably. Um, <laughs> probably. I mean, I'm not, I don't need to go into ton of Trek like we, we sometimes want to do. Uh, I talked about it a little bit. Um, I did finish season one and two, um, going through all the seasons to, to recap for people. My, my new year's resolution isn't like some kind of crazy health type thing, which, you know, a lot of people are mine is to, I want to watch deep space nine. It's a star Trek thing. I've watched all of star Trek episodes of everything except discovery. I don't think I've watched the last season of that. Um, and maybe some of the cartoons, but I was, I was uh, going to ask if you've seen the animated series, right? I haven't watched all those. Um, it's, it's but rough. I, I haven't watched um, Deep Space Nine, and that's like uh, in my era. Mm-hmm. Um, n- the characters didn't resonate with me off the uh, off the shoulder and things like and it just wasn't my kind of thing. So I, I but I want to give it a chance because so many people love it so much, and it's really uh, dear to them. Uh, people who I, I I respect their opinion for, so I decided to give it a look, and I want to make sh- in, be intentional about it. So I'm really going through that, and I've made it through two seasons. Uh, so there's the setup. Two seasons. Season one uh, was a really good job of kicking off a, a series because it didn't have any of the other Star Trek problems of a rough first season. They were very established in making these film in these these TV shows. Uh, by the time Deep Space Nine came out, and you can tell it, the characters were defined. They knew who they were. They knew what they wanted mm-hmm. them to do. They knew how to mm-hmm. shoot this film uh, from a creative standpoint up top. You can tell that. The writers knew what it was going to be, what they were going to explore. Uh, you were the one who uh, told me the backstory of Deep Space Nine being one of the first ones where they were allowed to have interpersonal relation, not relationship, uh, conflicts uh, conflict, after Gene yeah. Roddenberry passed. Mm-hmm. And that 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 is absolutely Deep Space Nine. Without a doubt, they are fully embracing that, and that's what this is about. So um, season one uh, just had a lot of that learning those characters, uh, they knew what they were from the first bit. They don't really change a whole lot in season one because they are very established on who Kira Nerys is. 
you know, who um, Jake Sisko is and these different characters. They're pretty good who they are and they stay that way throughout. Um, I start to like some of the characters because they're very who they thought they were. Um, and I dislike uh, other characters even more. I like Chief O'Brien more than I did, and I liked him already mm-hmm. enough. But um, he's just kind of this surly, sad sack who gets a, you know always gets crapped on on every episode. Mm-hmm. But if you watch the actual series throughout so far, I've re- realized when he's not the main character and being tortured, he's actually a pretty cool character yeah. um, all around. He's, I think he's pretty. I think neat. he was he was universally liked or at least related to. Which is why yeah. they were able to freaking torture him at least once a season. That's very true. He de- he definitely is when he's when anytime he's the main character, he, he's getting crapped on. But uh, I like I like him a lot more. Cisco is growing on me. It's uh, interesting because this isn't like anything else. This isn't really a Federation centered series. Which we move into season two and we start to to see more of that where mm-hmm. it's. It's ha- it's kind of a civilian station. It's owned by Bajor, not by the, the Federation. They're just kind of coming in to help. Right. So it's like the Federation is it I kind of described it as the B team. This is the not the, the cream of the crop enterprise people or even Voyager level great Starfleet ships. This is like, okay, we're gonna send our B team to help out with this station over here. Um, ran by also B team Bajorans. I don't mean B actors or B roles. Just like you know, like they're not the the heroes of the world. They're not the right. the top of their their game and everything. Um, I mean, Chief O'Brien was on the Enterprise, so he's really good, but he isn't Geordi, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so they're all kind of Chief O'Brien level characters, and that that makes it interesting. It actually does make it interesting, frustrating at times. But they mm-hmm. have to – they are put into a spot where they are very, very important in the things they do. So you're seeing these middle-tier characters be put into a, a situation all the time. Um, and that's that's interesting. So I can I can appreciate that a, a whole lot. I don't care a lot for the Bajor religious stuff that they kind of do. Sure. Um, they, they definitely took – that's my last thing I want to say about these two seasons so far is without a doubt, they have taken the idea that Star Trek talks about social issues and made an entire series based on that idea because that's what this is. Like at least every other episode through season one and season two has a moral issue they're tackling. Um, whereas More ethical. Yeah. Y- yes. Whereas when Next Generation did it, it was like one a season. Right. One or two that they're like, oh, that's that's a story about gender identity or equality or things like that. Mm. Um, This one, Deep Space Nine, almost always is about that all the time. There's something that's a social issue that they're that they're doing allegories for. Um, They're not bad. Sometimes I'll I'll like poo poo that. Uh, But they're doing a pretty decent Star Trek job. Of making mm. them science fiction and kind of hiding it under things like they usually do, so I don't mind them. Um, I don't mind that it's not preachy really, but I it's not subtle either. I'm like, sure. okay, sure they're they're talking about equality, w- women's rights, or they're talking about accessibility and handicaps here, and this is what they're doing. And I just wonder when they're going to run out of that. Uh, so we'll see. Uh, I've 
Dex, I used to thought was okay, and now I don't really like Dex so far. It's just that character is really bland to me yeah. at this point. Yeah. Kira is really annoying and continues to be really annoying through these first two series. Odo um, was seemed one dimensional and boring, and now he's super interesting and cool. And through these first two seasons, and I, I'm he. I really am liking him and I'm starting to see why everyone says the actor was so good. He's really good. He's really good as a, he's doing mm-hmm. a good character here. Um, Jake Cisco is a kid and annoying. Yeah. St- continues sure. to be a kid and annoying. And um, I like that the, the commander has a, has a son and a family. That's I like that. That's good. That's mm-hmm. a neat thing. I just don't like Jake. Um, <laughs> Nog is getting better. His buddy he was real annoying, just like Jake in the first season, and now he's starting to become like an actual character. Uh, so that's good. Quark, Quark is steals the show. He's fantastic from the beginning. He still continues to get better every episode. I see him, and really, really neat take on Ferengi, done well. So yeah, what, what, they seem like a very laughable race, but Quark makes them really interesting, and he is so neat, and I like him throughout and. If anything keeps me want to watch Deep Space Nine is Quark shows up. I'm like, cool. He's got something cool here happening. So, or interesting. Yeah. That's uh, so Deep sort Space of, Nine season one, season two, I enjoy them. That sort of um, um, connects in with with a bunch of the stuff you've been saying. But one of the things when I, I've not seen the whole series, but for a while I was watching a curated list, um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it it started with an article, you know, sort of essay about here are the things they did here are the things gene wouldn't let them do and so when they spun off to to create this show they they wanted to and they almost overcorrected right it's just it's non-stop interpersonal conflict yeah, yeah. um and then yeah all the all the social issue and allegory and and one of the things one of the things that that uh they really praised it for this in this article that i read um was how they took Ferengi, who were a joke, especially in the first, when they're first introduced, that first, I think it's a season one episode of Next Gen, so it's, you know, one of the bad Next Gen episodes, um, and made them main characters, right? You're going to take yeah. these ridiculous, big-eared guys who are super misogynist and all of this, and, and you're going you're gonna to make them regular main characters on this show and so you get this like you know in the in the utopian star trek universe here is this race of people who are still capitalists who are still like very greedy and all of this stuff but make them real make them not a joke yeah um, yeah like and now now the grand nagus is still a joke anytime he shows up sure, it's still very jokey sure. Played by the it's, uh, uh, Vincini, Vincini, from, uh, right from Princess, Princess Bride. Bride. Yeah, but but um, Armin Shimmerman, the actor who plays Quark, uh, adds uh, some believability and a realistic type thing to to that over the top stuff. And I will say, it's his performance that really makes that race interesting and good, which I'd never had thought before this one. So, if there's any great highlight to Deep Space Nine so far, it's definitely Quark. Um, and and yeah. he's just seems to be getting better. Uh, I like him. So yeah, I oh I did want to say I don't like the doctor. I still don't like the doctor Bashir, since the first Julian. episode. Bashir, 
all the way through this one, he's just keeps getting, he's the one that actually keeps getting worse. Like every episode is worse with him. So I don't know he's just, how they can go he's downhill. He's interesting more. and I don't know, and I don't quite know why, but I, I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Him and Jadzia, I don't, ugh, I don't care about either of those two people. Um, so yeah, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm happy that I didn't have to go through any of this like oh this is so bad because it's the first season and they haven't figured things out like oh, sure. i'm I'm getting trek i'm definitely getting trek from right off the bat so that makes me happy and i like good trek stuff sure cool i think that's everything we got to this week all right you've been listening to the front porch this is episode 334 thanks as always to our friends at lrm online check them out for reviews on things if you want to email us and tell us everything we're wrong about uh, the killing of a sacred deer, you do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you can find show notes and the contact forms to reach out to us. I don't know if we'll have show notes this week. I did have a bunch last week. Um, what else? If you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcast of your choice. And while you're there, if you would leave us a favorable review, we always appreciate that. It helps out a lot in those algorithms. As always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. For the front porch. Hi, everybody. See you next time. Bye.